0: Mm-hmm. i episode of On The Wake Up Radio, this is The Appeal, a.k.a. Walker's Appeal. I am I, Brian, my co-host. Rob, sometimes they do call me nice. That's right, that's right. How are you, brother? Pretty good this week, pretty good. How about you? Nah, I've seen better, you know, uh, but you, you appreciate every inhale and exhale, right? uh, Right. You appreciate all the things that allowed us to push through. But yeah, we got a, a great show for y'all this, this week. Um, Blackest hour your week, you know. Um, we always function in the spirit of culpa looking backwards in order to move forward. And so yeah, we've got a, a, a full, <laughs> it's been a busy week. Um, historically and presently. <laughs> and we're going to try to get to every ounce of it. And um oh before we begin I wanna give a shout out to uh sister Cindy Ash and and all of the uh other programs here on On the Wake Up Radio. Uh the whole On the Wake Up Radio family. Uh check us out at uh O T W that's O is and over, T is in Thomas, uh W is in World, T is in Thomas, U is in Up, B is in Boy, E is in Eric otw2.com and also check us out at cindyashbyproductions.com man uh, whoa so um, where to begin where to begin oh. do you
1: want to start back in time and work our way
0: forward or do you want to start with like
1: <laughs> most recent and work our way back because our, our topics are like across
0: the entire timeline <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's jump around Let's jump around Alright yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Let's get the time machine what a time um, First of all I want to give a, a a hell of a shout out To Zahila Avant-Garde mm-hmm. This little girl is amazing um, She's <laughs> the first African American To win the Spelling Bee Script Spelling Bee Contest mm-hmm. um, Did you see the last word she had?
1: Maria. Know it, what it, that they, is. they gave her something. It was a word, folks, that it, it was deceptively simple that you would think would be like the win-win yeah, game.
0: M-U-R-R-A-Y-A Ma- or something. Mm-hmm. But, have you seen the video of her playing basketball? No, I haven't. I mean, she got hands <laughs> like I mean, really, seriously. Take a look at, at her uh, ball skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's mm-hmm. going to be a problem. I mean, man. he's telling these, and I, I, I hope, hope she'll face BCU. Please go to ACU. mental and please. physical activity. There you go. Please, please go to Howard, gentlemen. Please. <laughs> <laughs> please. Thank you. Please. This, something, please. Because um, her teacher's okay. looking very great. And, you know, they better start recruiting her now. You know those other colleges will. Man. i <laughs> She's highly impressive And we're super proud of her um, I'm super proud of her We're super proud of her uh, you, you, know, uh, you know It's just a black abilities. We just always like to celebrate um, Which Is interesting right It allows us to segue Into this weekend um, Rob you've been to SemoTech with us a couple of times I may complain But I do enjoy it <laughs> So they have a conference coming up this weekend. Uh it's on Amos Wilson. Amos Wilson, uh twenty first century psychology twentieth century psychology in twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's a it's a zoom. Um I encourage any of you who have the time to to, to, to check it out. Um Can put the link up on the website after the show? Uh, sure. I mean I that's commission. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but um,
1: you can do whatever you want. You can do
0: whatever you want. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a panel discussion. Uh, it's going to include uh, uh, Professor uh, Hank Hank or Henry Williams. Uh, he's the African and African American Studies Department at Lehman College. Um, we have also uh, Dr. Tyreen Wright. Uh, she teaches uh, also at CUNY. She teaches African, uh, African and African-American uh, history and ethics, ethnic studies at CUNY. Um, uh, Dr. Oya uh, Adewa Maat, who is, um, actually, she's military, <laughs> Wrong. Right. Uh, but she's uh, currently a professor at Morgan State University uh, School of Engineering. Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering, uh, where, cool. she teaches, uh, where she teaches. Where uh, she teaches, yeah, four core classes. All right, uh, Dr. Maat. Um, it also includes Dr. Elena Jeffries. I'm not sure if Dr. Elena Jeffries needs any introduction, uh, but I mean, famous uh, for his uh, battles with Ed Koch uh, back in the in the '80s. Uh, former head of uh, African-American studies at CUNY, at City, City College, specifically. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Leonard, Dr. Lemon Jeffries is, uh, I mean, if I should tell you who Dr. Lemon Jeffries is, Dr. Lemon Jeffries. And also uh, Dr. Obari uh, Cartman. Uh, Dr. Bart Cartman is author of uh, Ladies Men, Conversation with Young Black Men About Relationships and Manhood. Um uh, also a contemporary of uh Cornell West. <laughs> and, and I, okay, and uh Sababu Plata, uh, the brother Sababu Plata, he's the editor of uh, Amos Wilson's books. And um that lives on Roger Depp over in Brooklyn, you know, so he he probably single handedly uh, might be responsible for keeping uh, the memory of Amos Wilson alive. Uh now I don't talk about it a lot. I, I went to Fordham University. Right, it's a PWI. <laughs> uh, and the only thing I do take pride about in in going to sport is that Dr. Amos Wilson also went to sport. That's my, <laughs> my my one settle in uh, my chat that I will take pride in. that I, uh, I d did, I, I didn't get a chance to know him of course he passed before I I came around. Uh, but um That's the point of a, alumni though. Know, get to huh? have
1: humble brides through association. <laughs> That's the whole point of alumni. You get to humble brides. Yeah. Right?
0: Uh, I'm not sure if he in it either, so I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, No, that's how it works. We went over this last week. That's like half the Ivy League system's whole selling points. <laughs> so,
0: they can do it, you can do it, too. And um, my 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 dear brother, Brother Raymond Duguay, who's a member of the UNIA, also a student of Dr. Leonard Jeffries. Uh, I've I heard stories that um, uh, Duguay was, a I believe he's a uh, Science major, a math major, and he used to cut his classes. Like he would never go to class when uh-huh. he was at at, uh, at City Tech, because City College, because he would always sneak into Dr. Linda Jeffries classes just because, you know, <laughs> that's where his, his passions lie. So, <laughs> so uh, a, a brilliant brother. He's a, he's actually an actuarian for the Raymond Touge, and of course, uh, the, uh, James. Macintosh, uh, one of the most impressive brothers I've ever come across. Um, you know, a true hero. I, I can call him that, right? Um, his ability to, uh, to the best of his ability, um, bring uh, black folks together who have different viewpoints. Right? Uh, he has an uncanny knack uh, to be able to do that. It also says he is a co-founder of the United Africa Movement. Uh, so uh, he worked closely with uh, Joe Mack. Uh, I've heard me talk about him on these airways before, as well as automatics. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever heard or met Ultimatics, you, you know how significant that is. Uh, these are uh, Al Sharpton's former attorneys, uh, one-time attorneys. And, uh, yeah, so they're going to be discussing the philosophy of Amos Wilson um, I personally have not read all Amos Wilson, but the one text I have studied, I use like a textbook, is Development Psychology of the Black Child. Uh, actually, I, I get that book out mm-hmm. whenever I cross someone who's just had, had a, a, a newborn baby, black and of course. And, um, and um, you know, um, yeah, just to be wary of the know, the, right? the idea that black children become conscious of race at two years old. They understand that their race is not going to work in their favor in their lifetime <laughs> at two years old. Well, the kids, kids learn time. quick, and that's the thing. you
1: know, All it takes is that one experience to teach you what the other is or what othering is, and things like that start to really stick.
0: You
1: know? <laughs> <You> just, whoa, <laughs> new fact. But before we move on, I just wanted to say, uh, can you give a real quick description of what Simotep is? Because they, they do a lot of good work. And their name is like widespread as it should be, in my opinion. And a lot of their talks, as much as I may be about sometimes, and my central complaint is that their message doesn't get out enough. These talks, folks, they're like standing room only half the time, if not more. You got to get there if you want to get in and actually have a seat. They have a wealth of information and a wealth of knowledge. They have great talks on a regular basis, but they're just, they need more attention. They, they were, they, they, deserve more attention. So just give us a quick, if you could, some people who don't know what Semotep is about
0: so, so they understand Simotep.
1: why it would be good to use the link we're going to include so they can see this too.
0: So Semotep stands for the committee to eliminate media offenses to African people. Um, they came about, uh, since the Benny Dobson, um, actually, yes, you know, the is already one who, who, who lead and push. So it was Dave McIntosh and Sister Betty Dobson. You know, Sister Betty Dobson did a lot of legwork. Uh, they were had a very close relationship with uh, Gil Noble. You know, so we, we have that there uh, when he had his TV program like it is. Uh, so Which one? Uh,
1: also. And you can find those, a lot of those on uh, online and on YouTube. I
0: recommend anyone check those out as well. They're awesome. Let's continue. Yeah. So, so, but really... As I said, I, the name says itself Committee to Eliminate Media Offenses to African People. So many of you are familiar with the New York Post, and like you are familiar with the Fox News, and you, are, you realize they're owned by the same person. And a lot of uh, articles in the Post will be very derogatory black folks. And so these folks started out of Southeast Queens, actually. And they will go the up to bold the Bold and the, the, the bridge. Huh? Home of the Bold and the brave. <laughs> Southeast Queens, yeah, yeah, and so um they would go up to the post and, and, and protest it, you know um, <laughs> so if you ever read the post and you know the history of the post, there's no shortage of people protesting from, from the post, and so that's how they got to the start. And of course, when um, uh, Gil Noble got removed from the air, you know they they, they uh, rallied around uh, brother Gil Noble, um, in his situation uh, when they tried to remove him. And, uh, yeah, and now they, they, they eventually ended up having a location on Rockaway Boulevard, so they have a actual space, um, you know, that serves, you know, I, mean, I mean, there's a, I mean, books. It's almost like a library, right? <laughs> it, yeah, um, I would...
1: Uh, a library, yes and no. It's more like an archive. An archive, like, yeah, yeah. It's an archive. Yeah. It's a place yeah. where they I do have, have not just a wealth of knowledge on hand, but the people... Are a part of it are you know as you can see by the ticket that we're promoting here speakers there's a regular flow of people with uh not just you know real lived experience but also academic experience that are willing to share them and you know put that knowledge out there but it, it has to be used and we need a larger audience to be exposed to it
0: so i implore anyone who's interested check it out yeah, especially in, like, because uh, there used to be a, time, a point in time when the and Poetry Theater on Jamaica Avenue was a space where you could go and meet the son, likes of Maurice, uh, Maurice Bishop, uh, former Prime Minister uh, of Grenada. Uh, you could meet the likes of um, um, uh, Cheykanthi Diop. <laughs> you know, the, you could actually see these folks in person speaking. Uh, actually, um, today is the, all right, this week, this week commemorates the birthday of Marlena Karenga. Uh, Marlena Karenga is, if you're not familiar, is the founder of Kwanzaa uh, and also of us, United Slaves, <laughs> which has a controversial history. But Marlena Karenga is, a, is a, one of the great black intellectuals uh, of America. And I met him. I had the opportunity to meet him. I had some of that. Right? I mean, he, he's from California, but he came, over, he came out uh, to one of the annual events, uh, you know, to say I can tell my my kids or oh, whoever well, that uh, I met Marlena Coranga. Like who, who that guy is? That guy is the one who created quantum. You know that, uh, that uh, that's a big deal to me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, happy birthday Marlena Karanga And do uh, check it out this weekend, uh, and I will upload a link uh, to it uh, after the program. But. <laughs> uh, did you get a chance to read uh, Cornell West's resignation letter?
1: No, but I actually should check that out. That sounds like that would be a, like one or two laughs
0: at least. <laughs> I know what I would write is a resignation letter under those circumstances. So. <laughs> it was very Cornell West. Cornel West. And, um now it essentially says that. Well, he's specifically speaking about the Harvard School of Divinity, so he doesn't <laughs> cast a wide brush about Harvard altogether, but specifically the School of Divinity, he mm-hmm. refers to it as being in decay and decline, okay. <laughs> and um, that he is of the mindset that um, it's because of his position on Palestine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not surprising so that 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 he's he's being denied tenure okay. and, uh, and you know, all these are a bunch of things. I mean, we were talking about, talk about pay, talk about appreciation. Um, he, he talked about his mother passing and that, you know, not, not, uh, I guess feeling appreciated that they didn't mention it, but not just his mother. He also mentions one of his colleagues who also passed within that last four years. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like brushed aside. You got to be wary of large
1: institutions when it comes to things like that. I mean, Disney didn't even say Happy Birthday to James L. Jones this year, or you know Billy Dee. So there you go.
0: But um, I think these are two
1: cornerstone characters for their entire franchise of Star Wars. But yeah, it's true, you know, who needs Darth Vader's voice, right?
0: <laughs>
1: so, and not for nothing. I don't want to sleep on Cornel West. I'm just saying, as far as pop culture and public recognition goes. Vaders of things and James L. Jones is a lot more well known than Cornell West. So this is how these people are easily passed over in these institutions that just don't value them. And that can be anywhere.
0: And I think it's important that we have we see it, right? Because sometimes you might you might think that it ain't that bad. And so uh, in the same way that um, we can all talk about subtleties, you like things to be overt. And, uh, and so you shouldn't have to experience the overtness yourself. It's good that somebody else, wise people learn from other folks. Once you see that, then, oh, that's how they're Cornell West, uh, you know, uh, so he's part of the mystique of the, of the institution and he's obviously undervalued because you can't tell me that, um, there's somebody else on that faculty more popular than than Cornell West. I mean, you just can't tell me that, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. People will go to Harvard Divinity so they can be in Cornell's class. Well, not just that, but the
1: recognition that just his association with the school brings to the school. I'm not saying that they yeah. need the advertising because they're not well-known, but he's reached that point of being a public educator. Yeah. That's a rare position. We're talking like Carl Sagan you know, in, uh, or in Neil deGrasse Tyson who literally followed right in the footsteps of Carl Sagan and took his position over. You know, these are Bill Nye, the people that people who avoid education pick up everyday things from and have taken it upon themselves to educate the public broadly. And that guy isn't worth tenure? Come on. Really? He gets left-wing atheists in a room rocking out to, you know, theology. And not just using a basic call and response technique. I mean, he he takes them to church and they get it. That's a talent
0: alone. But yeah. <laughs> yeah it, right? But I, again, I, I think it's I think it's good uh, that uh, people see it. You mean you see that? Okay. Got to get out of the idea that oh that won't happen to me. No, that's like, that kind of uh, almost kind of selfish, right? Well, that's
1: so part what? of the. Well, that's part of keeping things like that quiet, though. It's not just being selfish. Just sometimes there's not the public awareness. They, It's about incentives. That, that's the easiest way to start a conspiracy and keep on going. So these people who may not be aware of their history, they think they've just gotten a, a peachy position. You know, And then they think to themselves, well, it's not just that they're a special case, but they think that, well, they're going to be treated well because they've earned it. That's why they're being offered it. And then one day, when the rug is pulled out from under them, that's when they, they don't expect it. That's why that kind of scam works. That's why they keep finding people willing to fall into it. It makes it a lot easier to be co-opted
0: that way. So, um, today, this week, must be anniversary, uh, back in 1863, we had the New York City, what they call draft riots, which were really a race riot. It's one, and, you, you know, we like to think of this stuff happening in the South. No, this stuff happening right here in New York City, right in Manhattan. Um, uh, upwards of uh, 120 black folks were killed. Oh, um, you know, we we've made this argument, and we, you may I have had this conversation in before, Rob, about how rich whites turn poor whites against blacks. Oh, yeah. That's
1: how they maintain their position on the That That's how hierarchy is enforced. Technically,
0: right? It, it, so it makes the argument that actually all three groups so the, the poor whites can still hate the rich whites but still not like the blacks. You know? sure. <laughs> it's not like they, they need a coalition of, with the rich whites in, uh, in order to perpetuate this anti-black stuff. They can perpetuate the anti-black stuff pretty well on their own. Why ask that?
1: Well, I think that's – but that can come down to anyone. It's the thing that now you can see. Our system has taken that extra step to preserve itself, of incentivizing people to that behavior. Like I said before, you can break down a lot of our history and why things turned out the way they did purely by how people are motivated. And this this is intentional. It's how laws are structured. They're just not writing legislation (laughs) willy-nilly. These are all social directives. You you make a law, you make a legislation to guide your society. So it's like the current discussion on uh, critical race theory and how this is a very technical way of examining how law has affected social progression. And right now you have propagandists on the left and the right you know, if you're looking at it from a European perspective or a American, a Euro-American perspective, oh, they're taking our culture. You know, they're they're erasing us, and they're you know, it's an easy way to blame lefties. If you're looking at it from a left-wing perspective, you're going to say you're going to use some of the facts and uh, curriculum that they're trying to put forward, like in um, uh, when it comes to education about you know slavery and actual history in the United States, anything that looks at that curriculum is being challenged because it's that kind of source material that people are indoctrinated with. And yes, we are indoctrinated here, just like everywhere else. If that's changed, you completely, you you knock the legs out from under that system. that has kept the status quo. A lot of the people who were in favor or scared of these kinds of changes recognize that they're just scared because the, the status quo is being threatened. Not them personally being threatened, and by changing that message and making them feel personally threatened by a social change, that's how you get a silent recruitment going. That's why I've been warning about the fact that these white supremacist arguments becoming main have become mainstream in less than two years. We went from a bunch of freaking soy boys in khakis and polo shirts marching in the night with. Torch is talking about they will not replace us and that being shocking and fringe and it's a common talking point in mainstream media about how quote-unquote European or Euro-American culture is being erased and being replaced and how it's a common talking point in pop culture that white people are being erased from you know movies more redheads and how white males are being erased from media and replaced with quote-unquote white females or gay males. You know, the, the black and Asian community could tell you some stories about being replaced with, you know, an effeminate version of themselves. For years and years and decades upon decades, black Asian males, the only roles that were really popular was if you weren't the leading man, you were going to play that effeminate, you know, purse puppy, or the gal pal, or the scared guy who runs around and screams and then gets killed quickly. You know, that that. Those things became tropes because they happened all the frack in time. And it, to bring it back around to your opening point, the same institutions and the same industries that are pushing this crazy narrative now are the same industries and institutions that were enforcing this backward status quo all this time. So the, the messaging is even coming. It, it, it's inside the house. <laughs> you know, he's behind you. Turn around. And that's what's so frustrating about this, seeing society tear itself apart, but it's taking marching orders from, like, the people who were telling you to tear yourself apart.
0: So, in uh, in 1863, on New York City, um, of course, you know, we're... We're... we're <laughs> Civil War. And, um... There's a draft. But... Abraham Lincoln allows wealthy men to pay what equates to $300, well, what equates to $6,000 a day, $3,000 back, $300 back then uh, to commute their fee and hire a substitute. So I can avoid the draft by paying $300 and they'll go get somebody else. So there was this resentment. Men of poor whites because of that. And then there was uh, of course the resentment towards blacks because they felt blacks were competing for work, <laughs> for their jobs, And uh, of course you're not going lynch, <laughs> lynch to wealthy, lynch wealthy white men. So they over a three day period um, it took a I think it took a day for uh, the uh, government to actually do something the federal government to actually do something or act for the sake of them to act. uh they killed 120 black they burned two churches right um uh and you know technically this is genocide uh because it led to uh, a migration of the black population outside of manhattan and into brooklyn right um the population dropped in manhattan right after this event um Seneca Village, yeah. uh, Seneca Village, that's a good question, was 1825. So this is, yeah, so this is, uh, roughly 40 years prior, or 40 years after the destruction of Seneca Village. Yeah, Seneca Village is still in the, in the middle of slavery. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so, the, you know, when they talk, uh, and, you know, our, our children's children might be exposed to this because there is a legislature in place to study, uh, African American history in New York state, uh, put forth by Leroy Tommy and signed into law by, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. Uh, so there should be some kind of reflection, you know, there's a, there's a lynching museum in Montgomery, Alabama, um. I would argue that this should be one of those uh, um, markers. There probably should be a a lynching marker at the corner. Well, we can use the corner of 44th Street and Fifth Avenue. um, I mean, just to commemorate history, right? It happened. Uh, Act like it didn't. Let's not act like it didn't. Um, I'm sure a few folks will object, but um, I don't give (laughs) a (laughs) damn. That is something worth fighting for. Um, moving forward, also um, today, the city of Mount Bayou, Mississippi, was founded this week. Now, you think might think this is random? <laughs> <My> <laughs> Bayou, okay. Why would I care about mine View? But it's very central, um, and personal whimsical name—I'll give it that. I'm probably missing is a town founded by a former slaves uh, actually and it has this distinction it technically has the largest black population by percentage of any country in the any city in the nation of any okay. community it has a black population of 98.6 <laughs> percent <laughs> this is a black town baby and, and all the more miraculous is that you know, if you think of it, it is Mississippi. It's founded in you know, the 1920s, and uh, and you can imagine that high uh, school had the right to vote. Well, actually, so yeah, proper, it's founded in 1887. Yeah, so right after Reconstruction.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Uh. By uh. By Isaiah Montgomery, who is a contemporary, of course. Mississippi, a building town of Booker Washington. And actually, I believe Isaiah Montgomery actually went on to hold a position at Tuskegee Institute as well. Uh reason why this is interesting, why Mount Bayou is interesting. Uh, one, there is the Taborian Hospital. All right, So the Taborian Hospital is a, a black hospital. Uh, built in Mount Bayou, right? a black institution, black hospital. Um, the chief surgeon at that hospital is a, a fellow by the name of Dr. Theodore Roosevelt Mason Howard, that's TRM Howard, who was the richest black man in the Mississippi. Um, he owned the, the first black swimming pool for blacks. He owned a zoo. (laughs) He had a a home construction firm. Um, When the journalists and witnesses for the Emmett Till trial, right, this Mississippi, not a whole lot of places they could stay. Hmm. Because black reporters stayed at Theodore Roosevelt Mason Howard's house, right, and he gave them armed protection to and from the courtroom the courthouse, on a daily basis. Now, why is this <laughs> further significant? It comes back to Queen. So he has a hospital. He's teaching medicine. He's teaching nursing. He has a nursing program. And one of his students of his nursing program is a young sharecropper by the name of Rose Parris. Rose Harris. Again, another one of my heroes. Rose Harris grows up in Mount Bayou, Mississippi. She talks about how much cotton she used to pick. She used to be real quick. (laughs) You know what I mean? So she comes to New York, you know, seeking a better life, part of the Great Migration. Um, And one day a stab victim comes through. Harlem Hospital because she gets a nursing degree and she goes on to work at Harlem Hospital uh, that person was Martin Luther King this is when he was stabbed in Harlem she was the attending nurse and she was part of the, the, the team that saved the Martin Luther King's life uh, a lot of times we we look at folks and we see like people doing extraordinary things .ie uh, Me Gabriels Imagine, Jim South Medgar Evers, is registering folks to vote. We all know that he got shot coming out of his car, going into his house. Now, how could he afford those things, registering folks to vote? You know what I mean? Because he worked for Fedor you know, Rufo, Mason Howard, had an insurance company. So that's what he did to put food on the table while he was out, and respectfully he wasn't selling much insurance. That was Peter Russo and of supporting him while he was doing the people work. Mm-hmm.
1: But it was right. also important to do at that time as well. You know, it was a lot harder for people to get you know insurance, especially group life insurance and things like that. That was a major function that a lot of fraternal organizations served at first. Uh, trade guilds as well. That was a big part of what they did. This is the genesis of what unions and trade unions come out of and would later become until so we have what we have today. So, again, this is why I harp on a lot of these older techniques for organizing and community building that seem to have been abandoned. But I don't know why they've been abandoned. They were so goddamn effective. They actually built institutions stuff instead of, you know, like the half ass lobbying we get today.
0: When you get out of the folks in the room telling you what's best, you... you... <clears throat> What you've been doing been working the whole time. You no,
1: know, no, no. not just other folks in the room. When you're meeting in the room owned and leased by other folks. Amen. That's the key difference.
0: Amen. And Amen. that's a lot
1: of what's going on today. That's a lot of what the excuse that we call the left is today. It, it's it's marketed interests that are actually being run by our opponents. But because they put a, a slightly different label on it, and use a subsidiary to push it. And they've trained these goddamn clones in marketing techniques. And literal child actors are raised to be activists. Activism and organizing has become an industry unto itself. And it's just one degree away from marketing. Okay, voter outreach, research, a lot of what passes for that today. Professional and paid level is fucking marketing Trust me, I know
0: Uh, The film chat story uh, Rose Paris actually is currently a resident Of St. Albans, Queens, And um, and she's uh, presented uh, At my Black History Month presentation uh, In the past uh, Yeah, so the founding of Mount Bayou Mississippi you know, that once you start doing things, building institutions that start to have legs and they can travel far, organize it. <laughs> Whatever you do, just organize <clears throat> it. can have some kind of effect. Um,
1: but, but uh, folks, uh, this is going to sound kind of crazy. some okay. step on your tinfoil hat. Be careful with the, Investigate the organizations that you get involved with. You know, they will come at you. And if you're good at it, they'll throw money in your face. And they'll offer you cash to do whatever. But be careful, because cash comes with strings very often. Now, notice that there's two types of people when it comes to an, a deal like that. There's the kind of people out there who will just take the cash that's offered and then ask questions about, okay, what do you want me to do for this? And it's the kind of people who will ask those questions before they even touch the cash, because they don't want to be tied to it. Make up your mind before you get involved in The
0: thread group won't touch the cash.
1: You know, you know, it, it, it it's bait. That's what it comes down to. It's bait. So, if you're gonna—if you're gonna get out there and do this kind of work, it can't be because you're looking to make that kind of a career out of it. And that's the thing. These, this is why I believe a lot of our issues are not tackled with the same ferocity that they were. You don't see these kind of massive programs that attack these issues with serious intent because they've become careers instead of goals. You know, I I got into activism with the idea of, you know, I do have a passion for politics. I wouldn't mind being elected to support. There's no secret in that. Not because I want a pension. That's gotten flipped along with the incentives that are built into our culture that form our society. And that until we attack that, at the base of a lot of our organizing, we're always going to have this weakness. We're always going to be infiltrated by these money-grubbing neoliberal sons of bitches because that is what they live and breathe. And it sounds aggressive, but you got to have a purge. you got to get rid of it. And until that sickness is gone, you're going to have a sick organization limping forward, and you're going to keep wondering why you keep electing these progressives that get into office and then do the bidding of your enemies. No misery. This,
0: this week, also, we we recognize uh, Marlene Karanga as celebrating her birthday this week. Uh, also, I want to remember my, be- my diva, uh, Nelson Mandela, happy birthday. Ubuntu. We are because you are. Uh, you wanted to discuss uh, the the recent events in in uh, Haiti and South Africa, Rob? Yeah, man. Stuff's popping off in every hemisphere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's crazy out there this week. Uh, where did it Close well, to so, home or across the pond? Let, let, let's uh,
0: let's not cross the pond.
1: Okay. Other side of the triangle, things in South Africa. Yes, yeah, since we just mentioned Nelson. Um, is it revolution or is it a riot? What would you say? Because we got people in the streets. Former president Zuma has. Uh, he's actually trying to not. He was sentenced to 15 years, 15 years in jail, for corruption, and his supporters are taken to the streets. And you have had days now of just you know people popping off. And since uh, I'm not there, I hesitate to really say riot or revolution. Well, I guess you know um, the whoever's well, victorious
0: still that scale.
1: Ago.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's
1: yet. true. Well, the, the the problem is honestly a lot of my a lot of news sources aren't covering it, and the main ones I've seen covering it have been European news sources. The German news service has been the one putting out the most information on it. So that tells you that to me, that's a problem right there. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, you, you're right. Um...
1: And this is something that, again, this isn't like a small nation. They've got nukes, for <laughs> crying out loud. <laughs> and,
0: and this is something that's been ongoing. I thought is one of the largest economies
1: on the continent. This isn't like, they've been having a rough go of it. There was a massive water shortage.
0: What? You know. oh, well, yeah, yeah, that's going on. Especially in uh, Cape Town.
1: You've got global warming, climate change, whoever you want, whatever you want to place about the triggering of climate change, it is now a, not a debatable thing. Whether you think it's human-aided, human-caused, or just the anthropogenic changes in our atmosphere as normal cycles, either way, it's here, baby. So we got a deal.
0: And it does have repercussions?
1: Yes. And these repercussions are going to be felt. You see, the thing that I think is real crazy about this is they're already shaping the narrative because a lot of this coverage is coming from those again, the nations that profited from resource extraction and colonialism are again trying to set the narrative already. Because the nations that are being hit the hardest by climate change are going to be where you're going to get your major migrations coming from. So when it's you know, 120 on average in some of these former colonial nations, and they want to emigrate to these European centers that are now safer and rich after centuries of plunder. Guess what the narrative is going to be? You know, we've already seen this playing out in the UK. We've seen this playing out across the more "quote-unquote" civilized, you know, Scandinavian nations, and the problems they've had trying to integrate the uh, refugees that we've already had from war that have been going on for the last, you know, 10-plus years. We've been getting slow snapshots of what's coming down the pipeline, and we're just not a, we're not addressing it. We're like, do-do-do. You know, the canary in the coal mine is dead, and we're still not paying attention.
0: You <laughs> said laugh. I know... To go out to Haiti from some doctors live
1: in Miami? Yeah, that's, that's wild, bro. You know, we got private merc armies, mad doctor, and a plot to take over an island nation in turn. That is a Bond script right there. <laughs> All he needs is a crafty sidekick with a gimmick. He needs a
0: eye patch and a little kitten.
1: <laughs> you know? That he's seriously. Com- we're talking. We're in comic <laughs> book villain territory. We've got ships going, ready to colonize the moon. The future is looking awesome and insane at the same time. I'm down for it. I was raised on <laughs> sci-fi and comic books. I'm here for this madness. I <laughs> want uh, the crazy future. Because well, the crazy future, you- at least you you know, there's opportunities in chaos, and especially really that in level that- of chaos. Get it.
0: Ready or not, here I come. So, uh...
1: <laughs> and the kind of turmoil that you have in Haiti, we're talking straight up, this guy hired contractors if you would, you know, oh, my cable's out. I need somebody to come by and put in a new router. You
0: know? not <laughs> Huh? Yes, that's
1: how it works. Well, depending on if you know who to contact, yes, there are companies that sell their services. You know, they this has become a. It's always been. As long as there's been war, there have been mercen- mercen- mercenary companies. But to see them become so mainstream again is unsettling. Especially for them to become so mainstream in their use and public in their use
0: from the United States. The We've used them in the
1: past, but like,
0: damn. Were the Pingatins, not, not mercenaries, who put down. Uh, the protests at the U.S. Steel in yeah.
1: Pennsylvania. The private security contractors, private security companies. We we've seen them act domestically a lot recently too. You know, Obama had no problem with them being turned on people.
0: the One was
1: active in Iran. Iraq? Yeah. Uh, we've had we contractors all over the place. Iran. Iraq Well, not Iran. You know, because we're active <laughs> on their side of the border. But Iraq is, well, we, yep, we, if we do have them in there, God bless them, they're pretty good <laughs> they have made it that far. Good job, guys. Um, but, yeah, you know, Iraq all over. Um, we most likely do have them active in Iraq because Iran does have a good foothold in Iraq after what happened there. So, yeah, most likely Syria all over the place. Um, Afghanistan, that's going to be their new big moneymaker as we pull out. We're not going to have to leave some security forces there, and they're most likely going to be contractors. Uh, we do use them. And, but I can't honestly say whether or not it's become more pro- uh, prolific, but it's definitely become more widespread within the services. So, and if we still train our people to do, have been co-opted by these contractor services. And we're talking like logistics services, uh, cleaning, food prep, and that's a real big that's something we really need to roll back and get under control. Not only does it degrade our services, but it's a waste of money. They're training people to do this job and do it well. You know, they go into areas that you wouldn't want a civilian contractor to go, and they're being wasted. There are talented and motivated men and women who want to do this work. They're training for this work, with your tax money, and they're totally wasted. And then on the flip side of that, once they're out of the service, a lot of us are just straight up propositioned. They know when we're about to exit. So you'll start getting those emails like, hey, want a great new position? You can put your skills to use. And these companies are paying three and four times what your enlisted people are making. So, a lot of yeah, times, that's, that's talent. is like, why am I going to stay here? My yeah, only yeah, option yeah, to make a living yeah. doing this and serving my country is either I go to a war zone and re up, well, well, back hard, up
0: in a, a tax free
1: zone, or I go work yeah, as a mercenary.
0: Federal firefighters, Some of the firefighters who put out forest fires and stuff,
1: mm-hmm.
0: We jump out of airplanes into mm-hmm. forest fires. Mm-hmm. They make, we make making $12 an hour. Now, you compare that. Biden the gave them a raise mm-hmm. up to $15 an hour. Oh, baby.
1: Where's my <laughs> shoe? $15 an
0: hour.
1: Now, think about that, folks. Jump out of there. airplanes into fire. Usually, one of those doing a part of your job is, is enough to so make people go, no. Federal this is how theirs start. We, that's, that's one of the things that once you are part of the federal system, in a way, it's hard. You do that phrase of being of two minds, it hits different because you understand what it is to be one of Uncle Sam's crazy children. So you understand that love between your brothers and sisters. But then you can look at the system and go, oh, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> you know? But it's that kind of crazy kinship that you develop with your crewmates and your shipmates because you are both jumping out of an airplane into a fire. But you both look at each other and go, fuck, this is our job. Let's get it. And you do it. And that's why it burns so much to get home. And then you can't even get a job because of the job that you used to do. You know, there's an excellent scene. There's a movie that just came out not too long ago on Amazon Prime. It's called The Tomorrow War. It's pretty good. I recommend most people see it if you like summer, you know, popcorn movies. Oh, it's pretty back. good. Oh, it was all right. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. But well, there's a very key moment. It's it's quick, but it's a motivation for the main character. And he he's a vet. He's getting back home, and he gets turned down for a job because he doesn't have work. So and the thing is, not for nothing, but if you've made it to at least an E four or an E five, well you've got teaching experience. You've trained numerous people in whatever your rate or your job is. Okay. So and this is a very common thing. And you will you'll get turned away for positions just because you could be trained on advanced systems. But the title of what you did doesn't match what the civilian expectation of those duties are. Or you don't quote-unquote have the prior experience. That's why you have such a crazy high rejection rate. That's why you have such a crazy high unemployment rate. That's why you have such a crazy high suicide rate for vets, men and women. Because we get back to a society that we don't even fit into. And it's becoming more and more designed that way. And this is on top of a culture that has been cool to have a 20-plus-year war and then has a media that gets pissed when you try to bring us home. It comes down to incentives. And we're not – the society has deemed a lot of us as disposable. But I'm off on a rant. Sorry. Again,
0: I digress. So um, in the last few minutes, I'm um, <clears throat> So, what do, you, what do you, see for the, this this general election we got coming up between Kursley
1: and Eric Adams? Rock and hard place have met, and there's going to be a But we got uh, my money would be on Adams because McAdams, because frankly, if Kursley gets in there, it would. His, I would see the administration being more of a cult of personality than anything else. people familiar with his history within the media, I think, would agree. It would be poisonous to New York City and the country, writ large. If you look at the impact, the outsized impact that our media has on the attitudes and mindsets of states that we have zero contact with, you look at the impact that Rudy Giuliani was able to have as quote unquote America's mayor for over a decade after the bullshit that he does on regular. Imagine what that would do, and especially with the condition that New York City is in right now. The rest of the country may not be aware of the amount of urban decay eating at the heart of Manhattan at this very minute. Okay, I'm no expert, but don't be surprised if you see a real crisis when it comes to commercial real estate in the city. It's unsustainable to have rents, not just residential rents, but also commercial rents at the rates that they are when people don't have income and we're literally just printing money. So my last, uh, yeah, no Slewa. That would be just, no, it's not even that I'm like trying to say his policies are going to be off the wall or whatever, but also his very method and the base that he cultivates is Emotion. He, runs, he will run his administration based on emotion. Look at his history. Look at his positions. Look at how he presents his positions. This is a too fragile a time to have that kind of leadership style and directionless leadership style in power. Be irresponsible. You may not like McAdams that much. You may think he's too conservative, but at least... I won't even say First, it's a no... Uh, neither one of them are liberal, and honestly, I don't. Labels on that level of liberal, conservative, mean nothing to me at this point. But a lot of the language that we use to describe our politics is inadequate um, to describe their positions. I prefer to honestly just look at policy. You can say somebody's conservative or liberal or whatever. But when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter. The policy that you're talking about at the moment is what matters. This is why I'm a civic nationalist. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican that is literally trying to choose what your ideology is and align it based on organizations that have no fucking ideology. These groups that we consider that the average person considers to be a political group are anything but political. These organizations are job placement agencies for people who collaborate. That's what they are at this point. They are job security. Because anytime you can have outside organizations writing and lobbying for legislation that you then just sign off on, you're no longer a legislator. And especially if these are the same organizations that pay for you to run in an election, that means you just got sponsored. So no, no serious adult that understands the situation can honestly look at the two national parties and call them a political party. They are parties, but they are, again, we're talking more about a trade deal or a job security system. And that's how they should be treated. If you are a serious adult, if you seriously want to see change, you need to fix your mind and get right and stop treating these animals like anything but the organizations that they form.
0: Do you have any uh, closing thoughts
1: uh, before we get back in? Check out Simultep. If you are going to get involved and organize on any level, start at home, start at your community level, and help them. Don't don't give these parties the time of day or the oxygen in your, in the room because they'll just suck it out of you and waste your mind and emotion on things that are happening nearly thousands of miles away. And it'll eat at your soul. Fix your neighbor and make them come to you.
0: Uh, I'm going to leave out with a quote from the great Marlena Karanga. It was a thrust to raise the consciousness of the people. And we argued that in order to free ourselves, we must be ourselves Africans, people oppressed and in struggle. And we we'll to be self-conscious about this. So next time, brothers and sisters, Africans, African Africanettes, and those of you who are African adjacent, this is the appeal on the wake up radio. This is the Cindy Ashley Production, my brother Rob, I am Oz Bryan. Till so next time, I salute you. Peace to all my Africans and those of you who are African adjacent, my name is Oz Brian. I'm the co-host of Walker's Appeal, a.k.a. The Appeal, where we function in the spirit of Sankofa, always looking backwards before we move forwards. Catch us on onthewakeupradio.com. Also check us out on otwtube.com, otwtube.com. Check us out every Thursday from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m., the blackest hour of your week. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is a compass they use to find themselves on the map of human geography. It tells them where they are, but more importantly, where they must be. John Henry Clark. See you in the future later. Peace. Look it up. Claude individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, DNA. On the Wake Up.